0: welcome back to the domestic yak podcast this is the fifth and hopefully final episode of the jason kenny behind the beauty that is him we got ajax joining us and once again we have mr ray tracing how are you doing today ray
1: Uh, thanks for having me
0: how about you ajax how are you this fine fine soggy afternoon
2: why do you want this to be the last episode? I was thinking we could be in purgatory forever with our main man, Jason Kenny.
0: There are other things that I'd prefer to talk about. I thought I could talk about him for three fucking episodes. This is the fifth. I don't know how many goddamn hours I've put in and how much I think about him in my dreams.
2: Um, You know, it's funny because we created our podcast and we did not tell people that we were a political podcast, but... If you keep up like this, people are going to be like, you have to change the category of your blog, of your podcast, because it's it's clearly political. We're doing a lot of political talk.
0: I don't want to be known as a political podcast, but being an Albertan and being locked inside and having this man's fucking face in front of me all the time kind of just comes naturally that he's on my mind. Last you know, we left off.
2: Uh, Ed, at least he doesn't <laughs> go to Hawaii on vacations and pre-record videos
0: oh god who did that
2: so people did that uh i think it was that
0: didn't they
2: uh i think it might have been the people out east i think it was uh ontario
0: i know that we have some uh some mps that have gone away for holiday vacations when we've been recommended not to travel there's a current the lethbridge yeah there's a lethbridge mp There's a current uh, teacher that has given it as a challenge to say to the Edmonton MPs to to show a picture of them and their riding over Christmas break. The only MPs that have followed through that are NDP MLAs who have not left the country or left the city to vacation. But let's get into how we got here in the first place. Last we left off, Jason Thomas Kenny had just won the Progressive Conservative vote by 75%. Spending only a measly 1.5 million dollars, he managed to just narrowly win the nomination. Strangely enough, all female and people of color candidates were bullied out by quote-unquote supporters of another candidate. Now it's March of 2017. Kenny begins to formulate a plan to merge with the Wild Rose Party, 2 days after being elected the leader of the PCs. Kenny starts a meeting with Brian Jean. Brian Jean, who cares? Leader of the Wild Rose to unite the parties. Brian Jean, unlike Kenny, has a degree and has lived in Alberta as a citizen. After moving to Fort McMurray at the age of four, Brian eventually got his Bachelor's of Science in Portland, Oregon, Master of Business Administration and Bachelor's of Law degrees in Gold Coast, Australia, eventually wrapping it all up and getting his law degree at the University of Calgary. So just barely on paper, we can see that Brian Jean has a bit more of a formal education and hasn't been in politics this entire goddamn life. They announced the leadership race in July of 2017 after a merger was ratified and finalized. They got everybody that attended to vote on it. I think it was 95% participation, or sorry, 95% agreeance that both parties would join and that they would have a united conservative party. However, they needed to pick a collective leader. So naturally, both Brian and Jason declared their candidacies and there were two other party nominees that were declared. Doug Schweitzer, longtime PC party member, called for corporate tax and a change in personal income tax, trying to make it so if you make over $100,000, you have an increased personal income tax. People who make less than 100,000 have a reduced. He seemed a bit bit more of a moderate conservative. He wanted to eliminate the carbon levy, and he wanted to decrease the salary of public sector workers who are making too much. When asked about his status on social issues, Doug said that Albertans are socially moderate, citing that gay straight alliances, diversity, and the inclusion of women in politics are nonpartisan issues. Little did he know that he was running against Jason Kenney. There's one more addition to this, uh, this race that happened one month after it was announced. Jeff Calloway, formerly president of the Wild Rose Party. And Senior Investment Advisor. Do either of you guys uh, recognize the name Jeff Calloway?
2: I think there's a rusted piece of shit just outside Calgary called Calloway Park.
0: (laughs) So let's dive into his entry into this race. Now I'm going to put on my allegedly hat for the remainder of this character intro, because, again, this is a legend something out of a uh, shitty house of cards a lot of uh, reporters really love being like this is like the calgary house of cards allegedly three conservative activists met at a timmy's in august and they were there to discuss discuss jeff's candidacy now the three people are mark hudson a constituent constituency board member recording this conversation secretly and a married couple wendy adam and udo adam in the tape Wendy can be heard saying the following, Jeff is gonna run a serious campaign, but the reason that we're running Jeff as a serious campaign is because Jeff will be able to say things about Brian Jean that Jason Kenney cannot. Wendy admits that this is her in the recording. The gentleman recording the entire event, Mark, then states, it's a kamikaze mission. Later in the audio, Wendy goes on to add that they will then pull the plug on Jeff's campaign in mid-September. Now, maybe they were lone agents, Maybe Kenny didn't know that Jeff was gonna go whole hog into the Brian Jean thing. Maybe there wasn't any like collusion. Maybe it was just, this is the strategy that some lone actors are doing. Absolutely wrong. Both Kenny and Calloway's campaign actively kept communications open with each other, allegedly, giving talking points and negotiating their strategy. This was uncovered by the CBC, a trove of communications between the two individuals and the two campaigns. I'm gonna quote from CBC here. The leaked cache of documents Show Kenny's campaign provided Calloway's team with resources, including strategic political direction, media and debate talking points, speeches, videos, attack advertisements, all aimed at undermining Kenny's main political rival, Brian Jean. Jeff's communications director for the campaign later confirmed that Calloway's withdrawal was something that wasn't necessarily negotiable, Davies said. It was something that had been decided in a meeting in mid-July between Calloway and Jason Kenny in. Jason Kenney's leadership team.
2: So is this not like the most fucking Canadian thing ever? You literally have people meeting up at a Tim Hortons to plot and engage in in political, uh, you know, uh, deals and, and, and arrangements. Subterfuge. Subterfuge. And there's people recording them, which the people who were recording them probably said sorry afterwards. They're like, oh, sorry. Sorry to misrepresent myself. I'm so sorry. And I I love the actual, the additional little bit of humor there, which is that uh, in Canada, we quite typically have one building that's half of it is a Tim Hortons and half of it is a Wendy's. And so in my head canon, the fact that you said the the lady recording was Wendy, I was like, there are no Wendy's, Tim Hortons, it's both.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's some sort of uh, rule in Canada that if you do anything that's super illegal, you have to plan it in a Timmy's. That's why cops are always seen in a Tim Hortons is because when there's some guy down the aisle, it's like, all right, and then we break into the RBCs down on 1st and then oh shit, there's the police. Okay, we'll, we'll discuss it next week.
1: But like isn't that the point of the Tim Hortons? Like the the police live there because there's the donuts and the coffee and then it's the best place to plot a crime. So like really it's just it's the meeting place for, for everything.
0: Amazing networking can go on in a Tim Hortons is what I'm learning. I,
2: I remember the first crime that happened in a Tim Hortons, and that was the day that I learned their donuts weren't baked fresh.
0: <laughs> Aren't they baked fresh? Aren't they baked, like, like on-premises?
2: They, they are created in another location, frozen, oh, and sent to I... Tim Hortons, and then they, like, bake yeah, they them. They
0: ship them in. They ship yeah. them in by, like, the, the truck full. They Another are not artisan.
2: They are not artisan donuts. They do not have uh, hardworking Filipinos handcraftingly creating each dollop of cream. That's not happening.
0: <laughs> There's very special instances where they bake them on site, but that's for like really large locations. Uh, is what I remember. So the talking points and the themes the Jason Kenney's campaign was giving the Callaway campaign provided all the negatives. Like they're literally, they're crafting this entire campaign to be like, you are gonna go after Brian Jean. And the emails like, th- the themes that they give, they're like week one, seeds of doubt. Week two, consistency. Week three, trust. And they all attempted to get a rise out of Brian Jean. In one email, uh, the plan was, by this time, we hope Jean has attacked Jeff. Lost his control in a debate or two. Gone off script to the media so he can release a series of Screaming Jean SoundCloud files in which he is screaming at the executive community.
2: Ed, it's gotta be Jean. It's 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 French. Jean? There's no way it's Jean. It's gotta be Jean. Jean? Jean Claude right, we can Van continue Down. with Jean? Jean. Jean. It's Jean.
0: All right. They wanna release Screaming Jean SoundCloud files. They wanna create a, a memeable moment and they really wanna get a rise out of somebody and they're just poking while Kenny gets to stay above it all. Weeks before his withdrawal, uh, because actually his entire plan is to, to get removed from this race, Kenny's campaign provided Jeff with a resignation speech for which he abruptly quits, for when he abruptly quits. When asked about this, Jason can be quoted as saying, all I can tell you is that the campaign that I ran was in full compliance with all the financial and legal requirements. That's really like strange. Whenever you ask someone if they did anything wrong, and they did, they did like a specific course of actions, and they go, "Well, all I can tell you is that I did everything perfectly to the letter of the of the fucked up law. Like I did this precisely, took advantage of the system, and I knew that I was doing it the entire time."
2: That's that's like asking somebody if they engaged in like uh, sexual relations with a child, and they reply back, "I I only did things that were in accordance with the law, like." Oh my gosh. What do you, what do you mean? Like that's terrible. That's <laughs> Why didn't terrible? you just
0: outright say no?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. I think when they ask Zuckerberg uh, if he, if he did anything wrong and they go, he goes, well, I did everything illegally. And they're like, that's the wrong thing to say in this situation. So apparently like... Jeff also wasn't Kenny's first choice to be a kamikaze candidate. He then tapped the UCP MLA Derek Fildebrandt earlier that summer so Jeff wasn't even like the fucking front runner to be a weirdo to 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 do this Kamikaze campaign.
2: By the way, c- can we just establish how fucking uneducated these people are? Because I just finished watching Queen's Gambit, and I think I can tell pretty obviously this is a classic sacrifice the pawn to keep the knight in play move. This is this is a chess move. This isn't Kamikaze. This is just sacrificing a pawn. <laughs>
0: Yes, Queen's Gambit that educates everyone exactly how to play chess, and is isn't just a dramatization. Star Metro quoted Phil DeBrant as saying that he sat down with Kenny in the summer of 2017, and the two discussed the possibility of Phil DeBrant running a quote-unquote stalking horse campaign to undermine Mr. Jean. Phil DeBrant told the newspaper he decided he did not want to do that, so this guy's like, yeah, I'm not really okay with that. This same guy Uh, got in trouble for some sexual harassment uh, lawsuits and also a hit-and-run investigation. So this isn't the most, like, upstanding guy, but he gets contacted by Jason Kenney's team, and he's like, oh, no, that's really fucking sketchy and stupid, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So maybe Kenney's campaign didn't act illegally, and it's not like they really paid Jeff to do all this because it depends on who you ask uh kenny has denied money changed hands but calloway's campaign got a whole lot of sudden donations and also there are some weird uh exchanges of not currency so the way that the uh the debates go is that each party gets to have uh their own like supporters there or they get to have their advisors there they get like a set number of seats that they have to buy jeff calloway would then hand over those seats to kenny's campaign so there is an exchange of goods information and like th- everything that is not currency between the two campaigns in, in my perspective or my belief in mid-september well, yeah, it's, collusion.
2: it's collusion right yeah
0: it's it's like, it's outright collusion but that's yeah. not blatantly illegal and we're gonna we're gonna see as to why so in mid-september close to when jeff's supposed to drop out there's a need extension of the campaign and therefore more funds are required. They didn't really imagine that it would take this long for Brian Jean to like not fly off the handle. Jeff told one of his supporters about a businessman who could funnel corporate cash into the campaign. This was illegal. They could get 50 odd thousand, hand the money out to straw donors, and then they'd hand the money back to the campaign who in turn paid the party of the UCP uh, their contestant fees. So Jeff Calloway's team needs to pay the party at large blank amount of money Magically, he finds somebody to fill his to fill his pockets in an illegal manner.
2: So, Ed, you've got like reputable sources for all this. You actually found hard facts that says like there was this exchange of money. They were trying to do this illegal shit, and and all this happened.
0: So, uh, the record, the planning, and the recording of creating a kamikaze campaign has been recorded by journalists. There's interviews of people admitting it. Um, And there is, we're going into kind of the facts. The exchange of money wasn't from Kenny's campaign to Jeff's. Jeff and another member found a corporate donor and then they funneled money illegally. This has been confirmed by the ethics commissioner uh, when we get to that. So they all of a sudden lead. And there is talk between the two campaigns that Jeff Calloway goes, we need money. To the campaign and then days later not like the next day not the next hour so I'm not really I'm just speculating here and also this is alleged because I don't want to get sued then he finds a, a venue or an avenue to get paid to get money for his donate for his campaign and he does th- does so through illegal means and he does be found guilty of it by the ethics commissioner of this election so it is proved and it is confirmed. All the things that I'm talking about have been confirmed by third-party sources that you can find down below. It's just whether or not Kenny did anything extra that has not been proven.
2: So Ed, were you suggesting that the money that went to Callaway's campaign eventually funneled into Kenny's?
0: Well, it was funneled into the UCP because they they had to pay the party as a whole entry fees and contestant fees
2: so calloway did something illegal that would make him more of a pawn than he already was because he was being a sacrifice just to take out Jean, and then he also like illegally acquired money that went to the ucp but of course they weren't able to prove any of this till after the fact i'm guessing so essentially kenny directly was aided potentially by this money
0: you could say that indirectly, Calloway staying in the party longer allowed him to be at more debates, allowed him to be uh, a continued frontrunner, and to garner support and take away from Brian Jeans.
2: Yes, you could. And this, is, could this is for the, the UCP election or the federal election? UCP
0: which... election. This isn't even okay. like the, the, the general election that's going to be happening in the following year. Right now, they're just kind of fighting amongst themselves about who gets to take the NDP on. Because it's pretty much guaranteed that if you lead a conservative party, you're just going to win. Like, you don't really need to do anything.
2: Is the conservative party still splintered with the Wild Rose right now, or has it already been unified?
0: This has been unified. So this is the PCs and the Wild Rose have agreed to unify. Now they need to pick a leader amongst themselves. And they want to have forward-thinking politics. They want to have kind of like a socially moderate uh, policy. And Kenny says that he's going to do stuff like that, but he doesn't really do it at all. He just makes himself the leader and then says, okay, screw it. Now you guys are all going to follow me and we're going to do what I say. So it's speculated that due to Kenny and Jeff's over-involvement in each other, that either they knew of this illegal activity of Calloway's campaign or they aided in drumming up the money. That's that's speculation. Kenny's campaign stated that due to the nature of their election, uh, which was a ranked ballot, that these communications were perfectly normal. It's similar to how sketchy some national conventions are in the United States, how Jason Kenney has taken some lessons from American counterparts and kicked up a notch. Like imagine if it came out that Biden was working with other nominees in 2020 to purposefully destroy Bernie Sanders' campaign. Or if it came out that Biden was instructing Kamala and Elizabeth Warren what to say and when to drop out there was speculation but still it wasn't confirmed like I think that would have been an entirely different beast if that was the lead up to this election if you had email records of people telling uh, Pete Buttigieg who's now getting rewarded uh for Secretary of Public Transportation if there was records of saying when he's going to drop out to take nominations and votes away from Bernie and how to attack Bernie and, and how to do all these things people would be up in arms because that's just unfair collusion even though it's not the exact same voting system. It's not a ranked ballot. But still, when people drop out, they throw their support behind other people. They give away their nominees. So it is ranked to a certain extent in these conventions. It's,
2: it's like the equivalent of playing Monopoly. And when you're getting down to it and you know that there's only like one of your buddies is gonna win or the other guy at the Park Place is gonna win. And you know that you're going out of business. So you just totally throw the game by selling all of your properties and all of your money to the guy in second place for a dollar because the rules of monopoly say that you have to trade at least one dollar so you can trade all your shit to the person in second place in monopoly and totally ruin the game because in university me and my friends would play monopoly in the bar we drank and play monopoly on a on an ipad it was a good time but oh my god we got so salty we got so angry because whoever was in first place just got fucked over because all the people in second third fourth place or all the people in third fourth and fifth traded all the properties to the guy in second place just so that second place could just obliterate first place
0: yeah and it's that's the same not thing against the rules but it's unsportsmanlike undemocratic it's very unfair to the people that work to be where they are yep. now i'm going to quote from a mcclain's article in march 2019 as we get into what calloway did to brian to destroy him in the election Emails also suggest that several of Callaway's videos and attack ad graphics, all aimed at Brian John, were actually produced by Jason Kenney's staff and then sent to the Callaway camp. So they're exchanging like legitimate digital services. It's not like, hey, run something that looks like this. They're like, oh, here, use this. We paid someone to make this for you. They continue. Davies said that the camp uh, Callaway and Kenway staff operated hand in glove uh, with regard to various other aspects of the campaign. I was in constant communication with Matt Wolfe and Blaise Boehmer, both members of the Jason Kenny team, in relation to attack ads, graphics, preparations of various speeches that Jeff Calloway was to deliver from start to finish, literally his launch speech to his debate prep attack lines to his final speech endorsing Jason Kenny. Davies said, whether it was the content being delivered to me or me running content to Jason's team, the collaboration was definitely a two-way street. So this is now this like very important manager going, oh yeah, there was entirely collusion the entire time. Like it was like really direct, fundamental fundamental interaction. Like it wouldn't have worked the way that it worked if we didn't work together. Watching debates, it appears that all Jeff Calloway wants to do is cite that he knows Brian Jean por- personally and that he's gonna do a bad job. Like that's all I really get from watching these videos. Brian Jean uh, calls for unity among the conservative caucus and kenny begins his campaign of like an us versus them mentality with the rest of canada citing equalization payments and building pipelines which is something that brian Jean now nowadays is like strongly in favor for he's looking to divide canada he wants alberta to secede from the federation confederation and uh, i'm not i'm not a really big fan of him but still it's a little shady how this is all going down the Alberta election commissioner fined Jeff Calloway's campaign and corroborators over $200,000. Uh, and he was removed uh, from the campaign. The investigation uh, was suspended by Jason Kenney to see what any further involvement there was between Jason Kenney's campaign and Calloway's. So they get to a point where $200,000 had been levied against. And they're conti- they say, we still need more time to continue this investigation to see how he corroborated and what else happened besides the drawing up of legal funds. And then Jason Kenney, who's now in power, goes, "Hey, no, you, you can stop that, it's fine. You've already charged him enough money. You don't need to look into any more of our politics or how things are going, which is a conflict of interest. But after this, there were three candidates, Brian Jean, Kenny, and Doug Schweitzer, who really didn't matter that much. The election is held online and via telephone balloting over the course of 56 hours. No idea why that is. Probably has something to do with it being two full days and three uh, work shifts is what it encompasses. Jason Kenny wins with a great deal of margin. 36,000 votes and 61.2% of the popular. This is a one-person, one-vote system.
2: Uh, all the people voting, are they just members of the UCP? Like, can I be a member of the UCP and, and vote in this election?
0: If you're a paying member of the UCP, yes. So if you uh, buy, uh, yeah, if you buy a membership from them, then you can vote in something like that. This is a total of 58,000 people. Keep in mind, this is supposed to be representing over 600,000 people who voted in the previous election. So the only people that are actually members versus who vote for them is less than a, a tenth of a percent.
1: Wasn't there an even smaller number of uh, UCP members who had actually voted? Like, was Memory Service, wasn't it under 1,000?
0: Um, for this particular uh, for this particular nomination and, and election, I don't believe so. I think it was a direct system of, of 58,000 votes but i don't know if that's necessarily just members that have paid or if it's elected representatives that have paid i believe it's just members that have paid uh the previous election the pcs uh was the different one where they voted for um reps and then the reps voted however they wanted and picked picked the leader uh so strangely fraudulent votes were entirely possible in the election i know that's a tired thing here in 2020 but this is a few years ago, the way it worked was that a UCP party member would receive a phone call or a personal visit from a registration person from any campaign, and then they would give their personal information email and then just wait. Once the individual then received their unique pin number, they would then call or vote online using the online tool. So a review of the email addresses revealed that dozens of addresses were purchased by anonymous sources days prior to the vote and then also after the vote, they were no longer in service. A political operative working under fire for making illegal contributions to the Callaway campaign alleged voter fraud was done by the UCP, citing that he had signed up member registrations, sans email addresses, and later discovered that the section was filled in without him doing so. So the allegation by the person that's doing this, his last name's Mann, uh, M-A-N-N, he says this jason Kenny's supporters registered voters some of them were english as a second language and then in turn used their personal information to create a fake voter record then he would use this information and replace or create the email addresses of the voter with one who they own the rights to so they show up at some nice man's they had a very specific example where they went to uh, a gentleman's a gentleman's house i believe they, they just left him anonymous they called him raj people show up they say hello Mr. Raj we're here to register you for the UCP and he goes well I'm not really like a member and they go nope you're gonna be a member just it's ten bucks we can do it right here and he goes okay sure and they go what's your information they write all the stuff down they uh, write everything they get his email address then Raj never hears back from the UCP ever again and surprisingly enough he had voted in the election even though even though he paid the money and he was supposed to be a representative or They would have members on their voter roll and the emails either didn't line up or they had voters and they never had an email associated with their address, uh, their personal address, and then all of a sudden they now have a new email that is at a really weird domain name. So
2: is there an oversight or committee that's supposed to manage the UCP? I'm hazarding a guess that the government of Canada isn't actually – administrating the internal voting system for the ucp Uh, is it based on the ucp's own standards for their own organization
0: yes it is the ucp governs themselves because it's an internal election so it's not up to uh it's not up to much restriction based on what the provincial government it's just like
2: oh you just have a club of
0: people that are hanging out it's not really like a it's not essentially that uh the people that are doing this are are like actually getting public office. Like if Jason Kenney wins this, he's just the leader of a party and he's not actually in the legislature yet. Like he's yeah, just so this could their just,
2: boss. This could just be totally corrupt. Like this could just be five ways to Sunday fucked up and corrupt and nobody's ever going to investigate it or change it because it's a special boys club. It's a gentleman's club. You got to get admission to it, let alone to even find out if it's corrupt or not.
0: See, it's strange, but it is someone's job to ensure that they're not corrupt, but it's up to that person and the committee that they represent how diligent they want to be. So we're gonna we're gonna go into this a little further because it gets a little bit more sketchy. Jason Kenny's campaign would then allegedly, and for the love of God, this is alleged, I have no proof. Please don't send a Hungarian Death Squad to come find me, Jason. They would then use their campaign voter station. which had a VPN to sign into the online tool and vote for Kenny. The company responsible for the online voting tool conceded that there's no way to determine if the pin meant for the user was intercepted. And they also stated that there was no system in place to ensure that multiple votes were not sent from the same IP address or if someone was using VPNs. So they go, oh yeah, we don't know where, we don't have anything put in place that like blocks people from voting from another country or, or anywhere else. Like we don't really keep track of that sort of stuff. See, this is interesting because they weren't allowed per the elections uh, rules to have more than six votes from a single IP address or there would be foul. So this means that even without a VPN, someone could vote six times if they had six pins, if they just so happened to generate whatever they did. Remember how I said that campaign, uh, Kenny's campaign had a voting station? According to Kenny, every campaign had one and according to Brian Jean, only Kenny had one. In addition to that, for a voting station to work, a VPN was necessary. Like you needed, if you wanted to go against, if you wanted to follow the rules, this single machine couldn't be used to file more than six votes. So if you had a voting station where hundreds and hundreds of people can show up and take time out of their day, if for some reason they don't have, they don't have a personal computer or a telephone, then they can vote at this voting station. The election rules also outlaw, outright banned this process. Like they said you're not allowed to have one. And to quote the rules, there will be no UCP-organized in-person voting locations, the UCP election rule stated. Leadership contestants and constituency associations will be encouraged to help all electors to vote, regardless of where the electors vote. Sorry, where the electors live. Ah, <sighs> so, that's pretty fucked. Some election yeah, so, happened. Go on.
2: Um, I think Ray and I are can speak a little bit about the voting station, because it's essentially, uh, I would assume, a computer, it's running an operating system of some sort, and I can understand why it might require a VPN to work, because a VPN gives you an encrypted connection, it has SSL, so if you had a a voting station that didn't have an encrypted connection, that would be a joke, it would be like asking for somebody to hijack the packets or hack into it and, and change the data. So. I would imagine an SSL VPN would would be mandatory, but there's no distinguishing between whether it's like a client VPN or it's a site-to-site VPN. Uh, Ray, any thoughts on that?
1: Well, one can kind of assume that they're using a client VPN, which is not going to be correct. A client VPN is often used for privacy and masking your IP address. The only practical reason I would see that they would need a VPN for would be if they actually wanted to put all of the <coughs> voting machines on the same network by actually making it as a virtual private network between all of the voting machines. But that's not the case. They set it up under an anonymizer VPN. That's not, that's not no blame on my mind.
0: Yeah, it's not necessarily like a brand new voting machine that you imagine. When you're like, oh, uh, in the United States they have these big, bulky, massive computers that are designed for this. A voting station just means people with a fucking laptop that's open only certain hours out of the day and nobody knows what happens in the middle of the night. So, in some fantasy world, which I'm definitely not saying perfectly happened, some people that support Kenny could just sit there all night and vote if they felt that they wanted to and nothing could stop them. That is bad. That is a blatant chance to create uh, uh, voter fraud.
1: You said there was no restrictions on, like, IP address and that kind of thing. Were, were there restrictions on the time when votes were placed?
0: Yes, it was 56 hours.
1: No, but, like, sorry, like, the, the, the time of day. So, like, could somebody have voted nope. at 3 in the morning?
0: At any, time, at any time during the night in Alberta, you could have voted. That's not good. They wanted to make it extremely accessible. Uh, but they don't feel like it's necessary to disclose what time of day all the votes came in, or how things went, or where the IP addresses came from. Uh, Now the people that are in control of the ethics commissioner are also in control, uh, are also the people that won. So anything that you could could land, you would have to get Kenny to say, yes, let's look into it. Um, When the CBC tried to do an investigation of their own, they found that there was a lot of Uh, off email addresses and any like small-scale investigation found that there was plenty of people that voted that never said that they had voted or even registered as UCP members or weren't aware of the process.
2: Do we know what percentage of UCP members voted and what their historical numbers are? So like in the United States, they have not the best voter turnouts. And I can only imagine that some sort of similar statistic would apply to UCP voter turnouts.
0: So I haven't been able to drum up their uh, voter rolls because that's private to the to the party. Yeah,
2: they don't they don't disclose that.
0: No, no, that's a, that's a list of, of a lot of of a lot of personal information, and it should be kept under some lock and key. However, keep in mind that this is over six hundred thousand people that would vote in the general election. And even with these numbers drummed up, there's only 58,000 people voting. So it's possible that only 9% of people give a shit. It's also possible that only like 1% give a shit, and then they can inflate the numbers to as much as they want, and no one will be wiser, right? Because they'll have that same argument. They'll go, oh, well, only 10% voted, so there's clearly no voter fraud going on here. So now Jason Kenney is the leader of the official opposition after winning that vote and he can now wet his sample chops once again to take over the province in the next general election. But he doesn't have a seat in legislature, so how is he going to get elected?
2: Find out next time.
1: I just did a quick Google. This time. <laughs>
2: find out this time. And
1: Jim Prentice received 23,000 votes for the leadership, so it appears that twice as many conservatives showed up this round when he said it was about 50.
0: Oh, wow. It was 58,000 total, so twice Almost as many Almost tripled,
1: 23,000 for Prentice.
0: God. And so that was for the PCs? That was Jim Prentice in
1: 2016 for the PC leadership. So that's just great. Yeah.
0: Is there any
2: good reason to indicate why there would be higher voter turnout, why there would be more votes? Were they highly devi- divisive people that had different ideas? You know, Did they well, do more advertising? they were advertising? scared about the
0: NDP.
1: Well, they were scared about the NDP, but you've also got like the list of all these people who voted with air quotes. Uh, You just described, you know, some people Mm -hmm. who had no email addresses, but emailed in their voter log. There's an important
0: thing that needs to happen, because in order for Jason Kenney to be effective, he needs to become an MLA first. He doesn't need to become the premier, but he needs to have a seat on the House floor. So getting elected at any which point in time that you want is probably difficult, eh? Actually, it's super easy, barely an inconvenience. He gets an MLA to just step down, and then Kenny gets to run for a by election in his area, and wins over seventy five percent of the vote. As that uh as that uh he's the only conservative in the race, and also this specific district has been uh conservative for a very long time, and it's a guaranteed win.
2: So who was this MLA and does he have ties
0: to Kenny? yes every single member of the ucp has ties to kenny they all blatant they're all in favor of him they are all like he is their boss um and i didn't write down the mla's name because i didn't think it was necessary to to point out him and shame him it was probably just someone that they didn't like that much and they went you're gonna resign or else uh, possibly allegedly i'm not alleging anything because i don't want to go to court so he becomes the leader on October 30th, and then less than two months later, after he becomes the leader, he gets elected as an MLA in December.
2: Are, are there really that many lawsuits happening from uh, alleging that there is uh, shenanigans happening in these elections? Like, is there a, an aggressive legal team that's like a, like a mongoose just, just chasing people down who are... Raising any questions about Kenny's involvement and how he got elected? Yeah,
1: it's called the $30 million a year war room, which has no transparency and operates as a private corporation and has its three primary director shareholders as MLAs in their private capacity. So when the, uh, it's dissolved, they also get all the remaining money in the company.
0: Yeah, the UCP actively used lawyers to say, that people need to cease, cease and desist or take, take things down. So I'm not alleging anything, I'm quoting what other people said, which is within my rights, until Jason Kenney may or may not choose to take them away.
1: The Western Confederation of so, Alberta c- will probably not have free speech laws.
0: Yeah, probably gonna limit our ability to protest, which they already have, which we're gonna get into a little bit soon. But going into the next year, the UCP hold their first convention, their first AGM since being formed, and it's a wonderful year, it's a wonderful time, And now that they have their new ruler, um, I found uh, some some interesting write-ups. One by McLean's, which thought it was really important to mention that he lost 60 pounds in six months. So, like, good job, Jason. Like, that's difficult to do. Like, fucking round of applause for for losing some weight.
2: When he was in San Francisco, he probably met up with Jared from Subway. And uh, Jared just gave him the footlong every other weekend. And that helped (sighs) uh, Jason lose weight.
0: I love being a parody podcast and doing lots of satire. This convention had some interesting outcomes, uh, like getting parental consent for abortion and any invasive medical procedures and letting parents know if their kids join GSAs. Uh, Do you guys remember what uh, GSAs were?
1: Yeah, it's the the Gay-Straight Alliance, you know, where people who, in high school and junior high, you know, you have friends and you're just you're just a community there's there's no harm or foul in that but at the same time i had friends in gsas who had not yet announced their um sexuality to their their parents or anybody else in their lives and so having a bill where the teachers are in encouraged to oust the kids to their parents that i didn't like that very much
0: no neither did i Gay Straight Alliance, previously known as the theater club, and then the acapella club before Glee made it fucking mainstream. Those pieces of garbage. Anyways, little people, aka children, wanted a club where its explicit purpose was to be supportive of one's own sexuality, which is a perfectly normal thing. And guarantee that there's at least one place in a school where a kid that's trying to figure their life out has a place to shoot the shit with other kids that are also, like, in a supportive environment. Maybe the teacher that's understanding about the situation, like... Kinda of just a place to hang out. Anyways, like Ray said, you can get outed to your parents, especially if you're unsure about it, or if you're trying to start a club. Personally, if a kid or teacher thinks that it's the right thing to do to create a GSA in their school, it's more than likely fucking needed. Like, I don't, in a perfect society, go around and being like, you know, I just need a safe space where me and my bros can shoot the shit and talk about straight things like football and beer. Like, I'm no, I don't need, I don't have that. I don't, That doesn't cross my mind. So if someone says, I should probably need this location, Maybe they need it.
2: Yeah, and Ed, if I remember correctly, you were the captain of the chess club in your school, and nobody outed you to your parents as a fucking nerd. Is that correct?
0: Um, I wasn't captain. I was, I believe, vice... I, I, I wasn't president or vice president. I it was, very, it was a very tumultuous time for me to not be in the leadership of the chess, chess club. club. But I did start a club. I, I made a fictional literature society. I made like a little uh it was was, it's a little gay it's we talked about like art and uh projects and books and stuff like that and it was just a place to hang out and like have a good time and be open and accepting and talk about fiction which is everywhere
1: thank you for telling us that on your own terms
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh when asked about these new resolutions and how it impacted alberta politics kenny responded masterfully with so this is everybody's voted on this as the representative of the conservative caucus this is the will of the party. This is how Kenny responds to the will of the party. Guess what? I'm the leader. I get to interpret the resolution and its relevance to party policy. So he just outright says, I don't give a fuck what my supporters say because I don't have to say that, that quiet part loud in front of all of you. I can say that I'm going to do it to them, and then I can turn around to the public and say, wow, that's really assumptive that you think I'm going to adopt such a backwards policy about GSAs. And the following thing, which he then subsequently changed a bunch of laws about, which we'll touch on that a little bit later, but he exactly did what his party wanted to do, but when asked about it, he was like, oh, don't make an assumption that I'm gonna change the rules just because my, my constituents told me to. That's not that's not how I, re- I, I represent. I'm a free-thinking individual. I represent the party. He pledged for a war footing against critics of the oil sands and pipelines. Doing his best um, magician impersonation, he dangled economic policies in plain view while ignoring social issues or his opinion in the, uh, or his opinion on them in the background. He really managed to make it all about the economics of Alberta, which weren't doing too well. To quote uh, Kenny, we will set up a fully staffed rapid response war room in government to quickly and effectively rebuke every lie told by the green left about our world-class energy industry, Kenny said. And I like this one. If companies like European Bank, HSBC, decide to boycott our oil sands, our government will boycott them. We will go to court if necessary to get the federal government to strip charitable status from bogus charities like Tides Canada and the David Suzuki Foundation, famed environmental terrorist David Suzuki. So
2: did you just use the words war room? Because I'm getting deja vu.
0: Yep. This is the creation of the war room and how it's going to... Uh, be used to better interests and definitely not waste taxpayer dollars. Because conservatives don't waste money; they're
1: conservatives. Aren't propaganda machines typically only a weapon of dictators?
0: They're used quite often. They were really uh, strongly promoted by dictators. A guy named Goebbels was really in favor of them, uh, and so was Stalin, Hitler, uh, some people under the uh, the Communist Party of Russia yeah it doesn't look good it really doesn't look good um to be fair there is like some there is some uh difficulties that we have in the international community and how our uh how our oil is viewed and it, it is it is biased and it is supported by other people so we do need to combat that in a certain aspect but not to this fucking level
2: now ed that entire section that you were talking and reading about i didn't hear anything about oil i just heard Talking about GSAs and, and special interest groups, like it sounds like he had this idea for a war room and then just decided to change what the focus was so that it would get approved. Like maybe I'm missing something. No, but... he did
0: have he did have a stance that was uh, talking about we need to combat lies told by the green left about a world class energy industry, uh, and saying that if uh, banks boycott us uh, or decide to boy- boycott our oil sands then we'll boycott them we'll get the government to boycott them so he's trying to create this collective bargaining machine and propaganda machine to ensure that we can't get bullied around on the world stage in regards to our oil production and our oil like standard Um, so it is it is definitely in favor of that and he does point it he does quote that david suzuki foundation is a bogus charity which like haven't looked into it a whole lot but i don't mind david suzuki that much i don't think he's this fucking villain that uh that kenny makes him out to be kind of just think he's a quirky old man so these environmentalists were getting in his way such as the diabolical fish and game association who critiqued jason kenny's floating the idea of selling unproductive crown land uh, this land being the peace river region where indigenous people have specific treaty rights to hunt and fish this fear was not unfounded the previous leadership of the pcs saw the auction of the crown land in 2011 and according to the president of the fish and game association doug butler says that no one knew the sale of it was was complete so he's trying to say like we need a war room to combat all this lies and propaganda and then one of the first things that he like references is how the fish and game association is out to get him because he's talking about selling crown land that people use to eat and he's like that's unproductive to modern society we need to sell that to uh, private industries so it's it's really just, yeah, a propaganda machine to sell out parts of Alberta. Kenny began courting immigrants in 2018. This is in the lead-up to the general election. This time at a more focused level, with 29% of Calgary and 24% of Edmonton, the only two cities in Alberta. Fight me, Red Deer. Uh, being made up of immigrants, he had a sizable population to woo. I'm going to quote a little from a McLean's article titled, Jason Kenny, Whoa, Everything to Ed, Lose. Ed,
2: you forgot about Leth Vegas, Okay leth vegas where leth vegas i don't
0: know i don't know what you're talking about
2: it is the windiest city with the bumping the most bumpy nightclubs it used to be pulse pulse is uh retired and dead now uh but i heard that there was another club that uh took over Wait,
0: pulse like the the nightclub shooting
2: uh yeah down yeah down the states the, no 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 there was a there was a pulse nightclub in lethbridge that uh you know was very popular and
0: then they closed down. I don't care about your, your strange Alberta-based fiction. Never heard of it before. I don't know
1: why you're talking about a town that small. I mean, bringing up you can bring up Pincher Creek and we'll talk about those 50 people if that's really what you need to do. Like, I, Edmonton and Calgary are the only two cities. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. They're the only ones that matter to us left-leaning folk. And no one else lives anywhere else. Uh, on a February Friday night, his Dodge Ram stops his, uh, stops first at his UCP Association dinner in predominantly south asian northeast calgary spotting someone's uh, realtor label pin kenny asks still selling those houses hearing that one woman arrived from india in 2010 while he was an immigration minister he quips i signed your papers i bet that's fucking weird man (laughs) sorry continuing to quote entering the hotel banquet hall he greets one man in arabic and then the next breath he says hi to another in urdu Uh, his speech adds salutations in punjabi hindi and because old federal habits die hard french His steady bashing of Trudeau and the federal liberals suggests he hasn't gotten Ottawa off of his mind. Then again, Trudeau baiting is a reliable Alberta crowd-pleaser. He went to work recruiting his first chief of staff, Tenzin Kansgar, who can be quoted as saying this about Jason Kenney. You cannot fault an incredible salesman. Whenever they're a politician or a non-politician, if they truly listen and share your values It doesn't feel like a sale. So that sounds a little sketchy. It sounds even sketchier when you do an impersonation of Hondo from Star Wars. You cannot vote an incredible salesman, whether they're a politician or a non-politician. If they truly listen and share your values, it doesn't feel like a sale. See? Sounds way greasier when it comes from Hondo. Kenny does have a way with words, saying this about the then-in-power NDP government as tax-raising, debt-quadrupling, job-killing, accidental socialist government. Lee's response was calling him the UCP's job-killing, climate-denying, gay-outing, school-cutting, health-privatizing, backward-looking, hope-destroying, divisive agenda. So that's what things have resolved down to. In, final, in the final live debate, Jason Kenney's opening remarks included asking if Albertans in early 2019 if their lives were better compared to 2017 stating that for far too many, the answer was no, with unemployment uh, numbers being higher, bankruptcies increasing. He talked about the increase in addiction, crime, mental health challenges, all under NDP rule. To be fair, unemployment did go up, went up from 5.9 to 6.7 over the course of four years. However, in just eight months, under Kenny's control, this is pre-COVID, so this is before anything had collapsed, this number also went up from 6.7 to 7.3 percent. During COVID, it skyrocketed to 15. a half unemployment across Alberta. During the NDP's reign, fentanyl was introduced into Alberta. So compared to, comparing addiction rate during a drug crisis that's killing a lot of people and increasing overdoses versus regular times is a little bit unfair just like how it would be unfair to compare compare unemployment rate, as it is right now in Alberta, to what it was under the NDP. So that's not exactly the the flag that I'm willing to die on. Anyways. Hill, (laughs) I'm more patriotic, it's a flag. Anyways, the NDP lost in the spring of 2019, the Alberta general election. They got pretty heavily destroyed They raised an additional 15,000 votes compared to their previous election, and they had a total of 620,000. But people came out in mass. The election, there was 10% more participation. We had 67.5, which isn't a heck of a lot of people voting in Alberta. But the UCP got over a million votes. They absolutely blew them out of the water. And Jason Thomas-Kenny finally got what he wanted for the last four years. Let's see what he does with it. This will be the end of our Jason Kenny uh, Behind the Bastards episode. As now we're getting into the present day, we have over a thousand people, all of them over the age of 70, majority of them over the age of 70, dead from COVID. That's more than the amount of opioid overdoses, which Jason Kenny just pointed out and said, well, it's not as bad as this number, and then was quickly put his foot in his mouth by seeing that it increased. Times are tough. I personally do not think. The jason Kenny is fit to lead a, a large government maybe a local municipal government that's really heavily uh conservative that'd be fine but he's in control of a lot of people's lives and he chooses to enact force unilaterally
1: i will vote for him as the mayor of pincher creek if he wants
0: yeah let's make kenny mayor again thank you all for listening to this five-part series i know it's had a lot of facts Maybe in one of these episodes where we shoot the shit and it's less organized, we're going to talk about all the other things that he did. Because, just just a spoiler, he brought in a rule and a law that makes it so we can't protest anywhere. Thank you for listening. This has been the Domestic Yak Podcast. If you have any more requests on who we should talk about next, hopefully in a shorter amount of episodes... Uh, email us at domesticyackpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us this time, Ray. Thank you, Ajax. Everybody, have a wonderful night. Take care.